Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. We help sales leaders make how they lead their most defensible competitive advantage. It doesn't matter if you're a new manager, a first-time VP of sales, or a seasoned sales leadership executive. We're all facing new challenges, and if you want someone to talk shop with that sat in your chair, I've got you. If you want to become a legendary leader for the team you lead, hit me up and hit me up soon. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we've got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we're joined by Ryan Bott, Worldwide VP of Inside Sales and Enablement for Sodexo. Now, Ryan leads an inside sales team as well as digital marketing teams in North America, EMEA, Latin America, and APAC. And this dude is chasing a big number. And in the sales leadership world, we all know about the number and it matters. He has a number in excess of $2 billion in new growth, okay? New growth. And he's also responsible for improving the sales productivity for thousands of people worldwide. And What's really cool about this is that the results have been impressive. Sodexo is the worldwide leader in services that improve quality of life. It's a massive driver in both individual and organizational performance. Sodexo serves over 100 million customers every day through a really unique combination of on-site services, benefits and reward services, personal and home services, and they're offering things like food services, facility and equipment management, and much, much more to these essential industries like healthcare, education, seniors, and government. They're making a difference in the world and they're doing it right. Now, Ryan's helped the company navigate some pretty challenging times that we are all familiar with, and he's been really good at discovering ways to adapt and win. I can tell you firsthand, Ryan is a fantastic leader with strong experience in large companies like Sodexo, as well as young venture-backed high-growth companies with a few things in between. He's had a ton of success along the way, and I'm really excited to talk shop with him. Like I said, I've had a chance to work closely with him, see his impact. I can't tell you how excited I am for the conversation. Ryan, welcome to our show. Thanks so much for joining us. Wow. Thank you, Rob. That's, uh, that's quite the introduction. I hope I can live up to all that, but thank you. Nah, man, it's, it's all earned and it's well-deserved. And like I said, I, I've had the pleasure of watching you work in a couple of spots and, uh, and the impact you're creating at Sodexo is, is a difference maker. And I can't tell you how excited I am to dive into your blueprint a little bit today uh, for a few minutes. Well, thank you. And I'm excited to be here because when I go to present, I think, how would Rob Jepson present? That's always in my head. So you've made an impact on me. Well, thank you. You're, you're kind, man. Let's, let's have some fun. Why don't you start by introducing Sodexo to, to our listeners? You got a bunch of people right now that may be, uh, be familiar with the company, but also may not. And it's a super impressive organization. Why don't you introduce it? Yeah, well, first I'll make an introduction just by, by saying, you know, all those things you mentioned, I couldn't do it without an amazing team. I work next side by side with some great people and, and have an amazing team working for me. And worldwide, we are, we are doing some really good things. 
and uh, and we're helping people rise out of the pandemic. So that's what I love. Um, Sodexo, you know, been around fifty plus years, seventy countries. We wow. uh, we've got you know, like you said, we've got we we interact with a hundred million people every day, consumers with our products. We've at one point had just under five hundred thousand employees. The pandemic's kind of brought that down a little bit. Um, but but what a, a fantastic organization, 17th largest in the world that nobody's really heard of unless wow. you're, you know, getting your uh, churro in college from Sodexo. <laughs> so, but you Guilty. Know, when you, uh, when you go to, for, I don't you probably went to the Super Bowl. you know, I don't know if you did, but if you went to the Super Bowl, Rob, or if anyone did, you, you know, that whole experience was us. So, I mean, I'm telling you, I haven't been there yet, Ryan. Super Bowl is a bucket list. I got two sporting ones. I got to get to a final four and I got to get to a Super Bowl. Stuff. Yes. So, for example, last year at the Super Bowl, first female chef ever, head chef, was cool. through us. All the food, the experience, the cups. We recycled uh, thousands of tons of aluminum uh, and plastic waste that we eliminated. So things like that. If you go to LinkedIn's headquarters and you, and you go in and grab a coffee, that's through us. So a lot of people probably don't know us because we're behind the scenes, but um, but we're making a big difference. And, and my heart goes out to all of our frontline workers, especially in the hospitals and in the senior care centers who who've just had to bear the brunt of this pandemic and see firsthand what it, what it's caused. And, uh, you know, those are the employees we care a lot about. So. Well, you are doing good things and the, the way you keep those, those essential services rolling, it's impressive. And I mean, it, I love when companies don't just do good in terms of sales, but they also do good in the world. Right. Yep. And uh, do it. What is it doing good and doing well, something like that. Yep. Anyway. Um, all right. So thanks for that introduction. That's cool. But what I really want to get into now is you, your story. How'd you get started in sales, man? I, I've met very few people that said I was going to be in sales when I grew up. What was a little bit about your journey and how'd that lead you to such a cool opportunity at a company like Sodexo? Yeah, well, thank you. And so I've thought a lot about this because people ask me this question, how'd you get into it? Because we see so many people fall into sales. Right. And, uh, and, and, and it is interesting and I don't mind that. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing terrible about that. Really. The data tends to pan out honestly and having an, having a different background and diverse background does actually help in a lot of ways, but mine was more deliberate. Um, I mean, if you really want to know the truth, when I was 13 years old, I had a season pass to an amusement park and, and you had to scan your pass and they would give you tickets back. And uh, instead of giving me one ticket, cause I was entering the day, they gave me 10 and, and why I didn't just turn in the other nine and be honest is beyond me. I, I literally never even thought my first thought was I could sell the nine. <laughs> and so I went out to the parking lot and I sold the nine. Well, sure enough, the amusement park officials saw me and they came out they said, what are you doing? I said, I'm selling the passes. You gave me, you gave me nine extra. What am I supposed to do with them? And they said, and they took me to their office and he took my season pass and he held the scissors right in front of it. And he said, you do that again. And he, and then he pulled the, anyway, he, get, he left my pass with me, but that was my first thought. My Did you get to keep the money? <laughs> no, I had to give the money back. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I first thought, wait, selling's kind of fun. <laughs> and, I, and I thought to myself, maybe I'm a salesperson. So I went and got an MBA with the, with the idea. I mean, I knew my track. I was an English major. I wanted to get writing. I mean, writing is such a skill you got to have these days, right? Massive skill. Yeah. And then I said, okay. I'm that, gonna- by the way, very few people are good at, I think. Right. Right. You know, 
I mean, things like Grammarly, I love those apps. I thought, I mean, there's an idea we should have started a while ago, but right. yeah, a lot, not a lot of people are good at it. And, and the newer generation is grown up texting. And so those words don't work when you're trying to get an enterprise CEO on the line. But, um, but, that, but then I went, I knew I was going to go English major and then get an MBA. So I went to Arizona state and, and I knew it was, I was in the sales world because I had had enough taste of different areas, accounting, finance, operations. And I knew that the side of the house I wanted to be in was sales. It just, it just felt right. It seemed a little more fun. So sorry if any of your listeners are <laughs> in other areas, but it seemed like the fun place to be. Now, I think you're safe saying that on the sales leadership podcast. Our listeners are sales leaders and, and salespeople that want to be sales leaders. So uh, it's always fun because Ryan, like literally I've done this show for two and a half years now. We haven't missed a week. And I think there's three people who said they grew up wanting to be in sales. And, you know, now there's great schools. Like we both like Howard Dover, yeah. what he's doing at UT yeah, Dallas. Oh, and yeah, absolutely. There's like 65 or 68 schools where you can actually go get a sales education now. Well, yeah. and I went to, so my undergrad was at Weber State, which. which and they have one of the, I think theirs was the first, isn't it? Theirs was, theirs was the first in the country. And I remember yeah. thinking, this is great. And, and I took some of those classes and again, just solidified that this is a real thing. It's a real profession. People can actually decide to get into this. You know, when we recruit, because we recruit, we're in Dallas. So we recruit and have a partnership with UTD, with Dr. Dover. Those students are so prepared. And it, it, it's like the most refreshing thing to know that people are studying this craft. Yeah, those, those students have done well. And I think in general, I've seen a lot of the other programs. There's a lot of great uh, programs starting to do that. that. That's another podcast that we should talk about. We should get like a, a couple of people like you that have hired from those places and talk about why hiring from those places is so good. We could, we could get a couple of people on that. That'd be a good show. Yep. So, all right. So let's, let's, uh, let's talk for a second. So everyone has had to deal with big changes last year. Like, the term modern sales used to mean something. And in a March of last year, it changed again, right? Yeah. Uh, and then it changed again as we got like through the summer. And so as you've been building this inside sales team, you, you, you helped develop that concept at Sodexo. Is that right? It, well, yes. I mean, yes and no. So, so I got to give credit to, you know, there's three divisions of the company you mentioned one, there's a benefit and rewards. It's actually a lot of HR software, a lot okay. of HR um, technology and, uh, and they've had inside sales largely because of, it was just, a, it was the right fit. You know, we didn't need cumbersome, uh, not always cumbersome. I believe outside sales too. I believe in the model, but we didn't need the, the outside sales motion in that case. Um, and so they, they have, they've been running it, but, but the, the food side, which is the large side of the business, the food and facilities side, they've really never had it. Uh, hmm. everything's been sort of the same motion of, we're going to get meetings. We're going to start at the top. We're going to for 50 years. We're going to respond to an RFP. I mean, the amount of business that we have coming through an RFP uh, is not good. We, we need to change it. And, um, and, and what we realize is we've got to get to the deal sooner and you can't, at some point you can't burden your field sales to just, and just say, well, it's your, you know, you're, you're not doing it. You got to do more. You got to work faster. Cause at some point it's really not, their wheelhouse. And so an inside sales motion is great for that. Love it. So you helped build that. You started having success. You put in a lot of tools and training and people, and then we got to change. Yeah. And you've done it pretty well. I'm really interested. What are some of the biggest changes that you've had to make to stay, to remain successful 
as you go into the second half of 2020 and prepare for 2021, yeah, maybe not have, not have to be all of them, but what's like t- some of the top two or maybe even three significant changes that you've had to be intentional about in order to help your team continue to win? Yeah, no, it's, it's such a good thought. I mean, the first, honestly, the first thing that comes to mind is empathy. As a leader, you have to, you can't fake empathy. That's the interesting thing is people sniff it out. So they know when they know when you're not being sincere. So I had to do some, I mean, we all have to do gut checks as leaders and say, are we really on board with this? But I, I mean, I had, to, I had to make sure that I was really connecting with people in a different way. And I, and I had to make sure that I cared. Mm-hmm. And that sounds weird, but I mean, so, but some, I'll just be candid with our, with our listeners and with you. Like sometimes we get so busy as leaders that we, we do forget and maybe we don't care as much. And I, and I made a conscious effort to say, you know what? I'm really, I'm really going to make sure I understand what's going on with these people. And I haven't been able to do that with everyone, but I, I've, I have t- checked in, tuned in with my, you know, those top leaders. And that's made a huge difference because everyone's just going through a rough time. Um, you know, just last week, one of my top employees, he's an SDR, he's on the front lines, you know, doesn't report to me, but but helped bring him into the company and we've te- we've touched base, but his dad passed away from COVID, wow. you know, and it was wow. just sudden. It was so fast. And to be able to, I mean, I was in the middle of a call and I don't remember what it was about, probably some strategy or product. He calls, I tell the other people, I got to go. And I'm not saying I did that right. And trying to be the shining star here, but when you can take a call and just chat for an hour with a, an employee who just lost a dad, I mean, that's a big, like you learn yourself and it, and it, and it actually makes you more, I mean, you want to be empathetic and then you go through that and all of a sudden you, you like, you get it. And so I hope I'm doing that better. Well, let's talk about that for a second. Cause empathy became a buzzword almost overnight when yeah. that, when that went down. And, you know, I know on the sales side, there was a lot of like for the first three weeks, it was like, okay to say, I hope everybody's doing okay. Like your family, but then like, that got that turned into a buzzword. And so you made that distinction really clearly that it's got to be real, authentic, genuine empathy. So to our listeners, you know, I wanted to be thinking right now, we're not talking about your reps showing empathy to the customers. Now we're talking about the leaders connecting to their reps. What any any suggestions on how you can make sure you're you know, going to check yourself before you wreck yourself on this one. You know, how, how do you build real empathy? I mean, I love your story about the guy that his father passed and thank goodness you yeah. had the kind of, you had the kind of relationship where A, you could find out about it and B, you, you were able to stop and, and go do that. How do you build that, man? I mean, that's, that's one of those things that reminds me of what when the Senator was asked, what's the definition of pornography? And he said, I can't tell you what it is, but I know it when I see it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Any pointers on, on how you do that with your team? Yeah. Yeah. Now there are two things. One is be present. We didn't used to be on video this much. And when we weren't on video, we were, ta- we were always sort of multitasking, but there, and I'm just going to call it your, your third. There's a third of your meetings that, that truly matter. Two thirds. I don't know. You know, you're there, you're, you're on the list, you're there, you contribute, but there are a third that those are the ones that matter. And you know, which ones they are as a leader, right? Don't multitask, look in the eye, look them in the camera. You know, honestly, I don't look anymore at the screen. 
I look in the green dot and it kind of bothers me because it's like, it's sort of mesmerizing, starts to hypnotize me, but I look in the green dot cause I know we need to connect. And um, so, so that's what, that's one of the big deals for me is you got to be present because they know they can pick up on the sincerity. Um, that's true. I want to sit on that one for just a second. I mean, people have talked about empathy a lot, but I don't think that we talk about it enough for the members of our team. And, um, and, and I think too many times we're so consumed by the number that we're hitting and who is and who isn't that we forget about the people that are behind it. And I, I don't know about you. I'll be interested to get this. I, I found that one of the most important things that you, we had to do is I start like I started every one-on-one or, you know, whenever I eyeball to eyeball, either face-to-face or like this, you know, like we are, um, it's how are you, right? It's, 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 it's that simple. Are you okay? You know, yeah. tell me about, tell me about. And if I couldn't fill in the blank of tell me about, to me, that meant I didn't know him enough. Yeah. No, I love that. And I, I love that. So, so there's that. I mean, when you start a meeting, tell me about checking in with people. My boss, I love it. He starts the meetings just checking in. When COVID hit, he started having meetings every week. He didn't used to. You know, he's got a global team. He's pretty, pretty, um, pretty, time's pretty demanded. And um, he just said, no, we're going to half hour, we're going to check in. And that to me has been so refreshing. And he is sincere when he says, how's everybody doing? How are your kids? How are your families? How's, how's homeschool? So I think that's one. The other thing, though, is, look, it doesn't take much as leaders for us to make a check-in. Right. And, and, and that's – I don't – so I'm not talking about, hey, tell me everything that's going on or how's it going or I want to hear all about your dad over a text. That's not the right time. But check-ins are great. You can't tell me there's a leader. I can't, you know, call an assistant, call anyone, call HR and say, give me the cell phones of everyone in my team. And right. Give me the birthdays of everyone on my team. I mean, a lot of us have apps that do that stuff, but fine. If you don't just what you can't get that list and check in and text some people and say, Hey, you know, heard you did a, heard you had a great meeting with so-and-so just want to say, thanks. Like those things matter. And, and as leaders, that's easy. I mean, why would COVID have to force that? But it probably did in a lot of us. You know what I like about what you just said, Brian, and, and, and this is different. Maybe it's a, it's a different verse of a song that matters. And the reason I wanted to sit on this is this idea of being authentic, I think is super important and your reps will sniff it out. You said that really well when we started. And so this concept of what you and and others at Sodexo you shared with are doing more frequent doesn't have to be long, but time speaks volumes. It's almost like when we call a prospect and you don't ask about the deal, it's just because I wanted to share something with you. Uh, more frequent, shorter bursts where it's only about them. Um, that seems like a really good tactic that you shared. I like that. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, there's a whole, I'm sure you've had guests and I haven't listened to every one of your podcasts. I've listened to a lot, but I, I mean, I'm sure there people have t- talked about the authentic selling momentum that's happening. Yeah. Now you can get a little too far, right? You're like, you're so authentic that you don't know how to handle a no. <laughs> And then, you know, they say, well, yeah, sorry, Ryan. And I'm just telling you like a friend, we're not going to do it. And like, you're kind of stuck. I mean, there's that, but you, but you want to be real with people. I, I mean, the book that has, that's helped me more than anything is uh, five dysfunctions of a team. That's a great book. I like Lencioni in general, but that one's the one yeah. that got me going. Yeah. But you get to this idea of fake alignment and, uh, and fake resolve and, and it literally destroys your team. 
So, so when so your good. team is literally, you know, arms folded, agreeing, and then they're walking out of the meeting and they're, and you know, the real meeting occurs after the meeting you were just in, yeah. and you've got a bad culture going on and you've got a bad team environment because that means people weren't real. That means they were afraid, afraid of conflict. And so this idea of being authentic is just so important because it actually is what allows us to have conflict. If we don't have conflict, we're not getting anything resolved. So what does that do to culture? When people have that kind of, of a world, what does that do to your culture? Does it change it in any kind of way? Have you seen the culture of your team change at all since you've gone through this? So I, I, I mean, oh my goodness, you're onto a topic that's just so near dear to my heart. And okay, it, let's go. <laughs> well, this concept of this is the biggest, the biggest factor of culture, the biggest factor in culture for me has been this idea of, of being able to handle um, and, and, and contradict each other, being able to handle the, um, the conflict and introducing conflict and getting people to a state where that's possible. Because here's the opposite. The opposite is victim mentality. The opposite is victim mentality. And a victim needs two things to survive, okay? A victim needs somebody to blame and somebody to listen. So it's a triangle. Here's the victim at the top. Somebody blames, somebody listens. Now, listen, I, the word victim is a really tough word for me because there are some, there are some horrendous things that happen in life. And so I don't take the word lightly when I say that. And I, don't, and I, and I want my, the listeners to understand. There are some really true victims in life. I mean, every, every, everybody who's gone through a horrendous thing is a victim. But when, when you, know, you read the book, Man's Search for Meaning, um, by Viktor Frankl, and you see what he went through in a concentration camp debased to the lowest form of humanity, and still in his mind, he's able to overcome it shows that it's possible. It's not easy, but it's possible. So you say, okay, but at work, I mean, we're not, we're not getting that, you know, abused, right? I mean, we have, we go through tough things. So, so what are we doing at work though? We're going to the water cooler, we're going to lunch and we're, we got all our listeners and we're just complaining. And that mentality right there <laughs> destroys the team. So what you have to do as a listener, you have to cut it off and you say something like, Hey, I wonder if Ryan knows how you feel. Maybe you ought to go tell him. So as a listener, I literally just cut off that stream. As someone who's blamed, I might want to then call and say, hey, I, Rob, I, you know, unfortunately, I heard some things. Can we have a conversation? I just want to make sure that we're good. Tell me straight up. A perfect example is I had the other day, there's, there's a VP, of, he's, I won't get, you know, tell you who he is, but the strong leader in our company called and said, hey, Ryan, um, uh, I heard some things. And I, wanted to, and I wanted to make sure that I heard him from you directly. And I said, great, thank you. Here's what I said. And, and, I, and I said, I am concerned about this. And then I owned it. And I said, you know what? Shame on me. I, I, I wow. should, should have been the very first person that I called because I have a rule of doing that. And I said, it's probably the first time in two years I've broken my rule. I shouldn't have said it to anybody else before I called you. And we had just the most heartening conversation. But as leaders we need to learn that lesson. And I've learned it. I, I forgot. I messed up last week. I own it. But leaders, we have the first call is to the person we're frustrated with, not to the 10 other people. And you'll see your teams do this. I have, I have literally watched teams when I've, when we've gone through this and I, I take them off site and I do a whole day's worth of this exercise. When they shift, it's a 180. Cool. All of a sudden I start to own my business I take ownership, I'm accountable, and I hold my peers accountable, and we, are, and we can start to work on conflict. That's when you progress. That's a 180 in cultures. And we're starting to do that more at Sodexo. We're being more transparent. That's the second thing. You say, what's changed? We are a heck of a lot more transparent. Talk we, about how. Talk about how. I can't wait to hear about that. 
So, so I mean, the thing is, when you work in an enterprise, they're silos. You, I mean, you just cannot avoid them. So, I mean, we have we have global teams. I'm part yeah. of that team. We have regional teams, regional support teams, and then we have all of our segment teams. And that's just in one division of the business. Then you got the you know the other two sides, the the PHS and BRS total. Anyway, it those segments. I got oh, I think twelve segments. You know, I'm sorry, any listeners, I'm counting right, but they each have their own CEOs. And then right. you have a CEO of a region in that segment. So if you look on LinkedIn, I've got, I don't know, 40 CEOs. And, <laughs> and yet, but they're a CEO of a division, of a region, or a global, of a segment. So those silos require, I mean, the best thing that can happen is they require forceful transparency. Now, I say that because the forcing function are QBRs. QBRs, when everybody is in the room, segment global region and i use my front lines to present right so this is the, to me this is the secret sauce use your front line to present so who are they your front line mql person you know you lead gen automation person you need your front line um sales executive the person that owns the you know the seven million dollar number i need the front line why because the front line is where the action happens and when they report and they start bringing up the issues. I have them report on two things. What did I accomplished last quarter? What are we going to accomplish this quarter? What's my plan? And what are my roadblocks? That's the, that, those are your three slides in the QBR. What did I accomplish? What am I going to accomplish? And what are my roadblocks? And your front lines are sitting there saying, look, landing page isn't in Chinese. And your marketing person, you know, your global marketing person in the room and say, what do you mean it's not in Chinese? Well, let me click. Let me show you. Highlight, slide, not in Chinese. I can't, I can't sell the products unless it's in Chinese. You know, and, and, and all of a sudden, and this is a real example, by the way, and all of a sudden your marketing people are like, oh, I didn't know that. And things just, stuff starts getting done in that moment. I call so cool. that, that the forcing function is the QBR. That forces transparency like nobody's business. Um, someone says, well, yeah, I, I spent, I can't get this tool to work. Another person says, why do you need that tool? We've already invested globally in, in a tool like that. So, so we're double paying for something and all of a sudden things are getting worked out in that meeting. Like, Oh, well maybe you should, maybe you should ditch that contract. We're paying for it up here. And plus ours is integrated with the CRM. <laughs> that transparency starts to work wonders at enterprise companies. So I like how you talk about transparency to break down silos. Have you seen transparency have any impact on leader and rep behaviors as well between those relationships? Well, I, I mean, absolutely. So, I mean, you, you, between a rep, I mean, you have, so you have your one-on-one, a leader yeah. needs to be having one-on-ones. The one-on-one to me is the place where the transparency happens. Good. But the second thing, right? The second thing. Before we go to the second one, can I ask you a question about that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I do this all the time, man. I want to sit out. You're saying good no, no, stuff. Good. So it should happen there. Why doesn't it? Why don't you think it happens there? Because people have trained their pe- people that one-on-ones about their numbers. Ooh. You, you have dashboards for numbers. You have Monday morning meetings. We can go through the Monday morning review. And, and if you're doing your daily stand-ups, daily stand-ups are about numbers. You know, here's what we accomplished yesterday. Stand-up is a mini QBR, by the way. What did I do yesterday? I mean, this all comes from the, the idea of a scrum uh, and the daily stand-ups, that whole, that whole you know, sort of scrum methodology. And you say, okay it's how engineers do it. Why can't salespeople do it? And, but what I accomplished, what am I going to accomplish? What are my roadblocks? So you get your numbers in, in standups, <laughs> you get your numbers on dashboards. So I've got a one-on-one. Now I'm going to, there's two, 
I'm going to shift to number two because it's inevitable. I go there in a second, but it is, there is also a difference between your one-on-one and coaching, but one-on-one right. is the, the ability to be transparent. Um, and, and it's the ability to also listen. It's the ability, it's the ability for them to bring in, Hey, here's what I'm working on, but here's where, you know, here's where I'd like some help. Um, and if numbers need to be there, of course you can bring them up, but uh, in those one-on-ones, those half hour check-ins where a leader and a manager are getting real and giving real feedback, um, that's where it happens. Uh, anyway, I got to shift over to coaching though, because we got there is a slight difference between that one. Yeah, you brought and- it up and you know me well <laughs> enough to know I'm going to get there, but I, I wanted you to have a chance to finish where you were, right? Cause you're dead on. And I, and the reason I wanted to sit on this, Ryan, is because I, again, we got, I don't know, 2,500 sales leaders that are going to listen to this the first week it goes live. And, and, and I want them to ask themselves, am I being transparent in my one-on-ones? Am I being transparent with each of my reps? Because um, I think you're onto something that transparency has never been more important because I believe there's only three ways that we can get really good at helping cr- people create results. The first one is clarity and not just what's expected, but how you're going to get there. Uh, and if you can't, if you can't have that clarity conversation, uh, there's way too many leaders that just think, you know, data driven management means what you said, reviewing the numbers and they aren't able to turn those into, can we have a forward looking conversation around what I should do more of what I should do less of what needs to change. Right. Well, and, well, exactly. Can I jump in? Yeah, of course. Think about it like this, Rob. What are we training? What are we, what are we actually doing with our reps? What are we, what, what's the end goal here? To hit a number? No. It's For me, get, it's not. It's to create life-changing years. It's to create, help them create exactly. the best version of them. Yeah. I'm going to say it a different way. We're creating the next set of leaders. Love We're it. creating future leaders. Yeah. We call it high-performance leadership. So, so everyone's, there's a gap. We all have a gap. You're here and you need to be here. There's your gap. Yep. And, and we're all on this spectrum, but you're, you, what we're trying to do is create the next set of leaders. Why? Because a company needs that. It doesn't do us any good to say, I hired a rep, you know, she hit her numbers for two years and then she left. What did right. I get out of that? I needed a future manager. I needed someone to actually, that was, that understood the business so well, could move into operations or move into marketing. I needed someone who knew how to bring others along with them. We got to change our minds about our sales team. We're hiring the next set of leaders. So, so coaching, and I'll differentiate here for a minute because coaching, I believe, is about is well. There's two coaching can be about leadership, but I'm going to reserve for a minute and just say put it in a bucket. A lot of coaches right. let me coach you through how to do better. The one on one, that transparency. I'm going to make you a leader. I'm going to give you direct feedback about style, and how you deliver, and how you come across. This is what I love. I, so last week I had, uh, I had QBRs and we had our SDRs and um, you know, if this person listens, he'll, he'll agree. I could say, I've, you know, it, but his example was this, his example was something that went wrong in the QBR. Now yeah. as a leader and I'm in the room and I'm not the boss, right? I'm the boss's boss's boss. No, the boss's boss. It's there. And so I'm sitting in the room and I'm thinking, do I say anything? The other two leaders didn't, I'm looking at them and it caused one of those, the rest of the team looked at the person and thought, okay, you're a snowflake. You get what you want. And uh, the rest of us don't have to comply. And that message was sent. So, wow. so I go, but afterwards I said, I can't let this go. So I tell the other two, I said, you mind if I take this one? So I walk with him and I say, I say, Hey, tell me what happened back there. And he says, listen, I have, 
I am, I get so nervous in front of people. It's a big deal for me. And he said, I've actually like passed out a few times. Wow. And, he, and I just, I, I felt it coming and I couldn't. And I said, why didn't you let the team know that? Because your version was I'm special and I don't, I don't have to. I said, why wouldn't you get real with the team? And he looked at me and said, I don't know. I didn't think they'd accept it. And I said, well, that's something to work. That's something we're going to work on. And I looked at him. I said, do you mind if I coach you? And he, he little, and I'm not kidding you. He teared up. He started crying and he said, nobody ever has asked if they could coach me. And he said, I would be elated. I would be elated. Please coach me. I want to be a better leader. Now look what just happened. Instead of making an issue of you got to do this, I'm going to force you in this meeting and making this kind of big to do. And then, and then it gets ugly and he gets upset and then you're at odds. Put my arm around him. I said, would you allow me to coach you? The entire setting just changed. His openness and his ability to now listen just changed because he was open to coaching. Now I'm going to give him both coaching about the job, but about leadership. And the whole point is, listen, you're, you're not going to be, and I said, and I started our first session. I said, where do you want to end up? He said, I'd love to be a CEO. And we went through scenario CEO after CEO after CEO. And I said, do you think they got to CEO? Cause they hit the number and they all, the light bulbs went off. CEOs don't, they, they're not CEOs because they hit the number. They got to be successful, clearly, but they're CEOs because of how they hit the number, how they, how they brought people along with them. It doesn't matter if you get to the top of the mountain, if nobody else is with you, you got to bring everybody else to the top of the mountain. And that's, and, and I'm telling you just that the light bulbs are going off for this guy. And I'm so excited. He's excited. He's texting me this week. He's like, I have a whole new outlook on my job. That's the power of coaching. Oh, dude, I love that story. You're firing me up. I don't know what my favorite part of that story is. <clears throat> I don't know if it's that you connected with the person or that you were smart enough to ask, hey, man, uh, can, would you be willing to let me coach you a little bit? Uh, that goes to everything you talked about. That's very empathetic and also authentic, right? Super transparent. Um, I, I would imagine this guy felt like, you know, as you described it, he probably was worried that the boss's boss's boss is in the room, right? He's not yeah. doing his best. And it turned out to be maybe one of the great days in his career because you were in the room. Yeah. And so I, I love everything about that, man. Um, how have you seen coaching change in the last half of the year going into next year? Have you seen it change at all or, or no? Well, so, so that moment describes to me what's changing. It is becoming more empathetic and you have, so, so I do think there's a delineation. Like there's a, a delineation lot. between, am I going to coach you about your job? Which there's, you know, there's a lot of cool tools out there. And you, I mean, Rob, you've created some of them and you know, and I, so you know the power of coaching the job. Um, I, you know, I am a big fan of Gong, for example, and, yeah. and Chorus and some of these places where, you know, they're, they're listening. And because, by the way, want to change a, a rep's actual job performance, have them listen to themselves. Like the number one thing, you know, just listen to yourself. Do me a favor and listen 10 to 10 of your calls. I don't even have to say it. Hopefully you're self-aware enough. You'll pick it up. Like, Oh, that, yeah, actually I see what you're talking about, you know? Yeah. Um, but that's the, that's the coaching on the job. Then there's the coaching of leadership. Again, don't just, let's not forget as, as sales managers and leaders are, we're trying to get the next batch of leaders to come up through the ranks. We, even at a small company, even at a 10 person company, you want that, right? Because you, the, the, the cost of change is just so high. I have a, I have a rule of thumb. You cannot change more than 30% of your team at a time. Well, if you're at a startup and you got six people in your, in your organization, in your sales org, 
and four of them aren't performing, you don't have, you can't, you can't do that. Shot. Yeah. You're done. You release all four. And then you're going to stand in front of the board and say, our next six months are crap because I got to rehire my whole new team. I mean, it's yeah. just, so you have to be investing in coaching and my experience, I guess, when you say what's changed, my experience is by investing and in coaching them to be a leader is yielding the results of coaching them for the, for, for results, meaning the number. So the more I put into coaching them to be a leader, the more I'm getting results on the number. Ryan, this is so good, man. I always like our conversations, but this is like, you've taken it up a notch and I really, really appreciate it. And I'm kind of bummed because we're starting to run out of time and there's, <laughs> there's another topic that I want to get to and we're going to have to do it fast because I know that we're running out of time. You know it as well. <clears throat> you are as, you have done a terrific job. Now, uh, Cards on Table, I have had the opportunity to do a little bit of work with some of the Sodexo people. So I've had a chance to see you do your job. Okay. And, I, and I've had a chance to actually hear what people think. And, and it's awesome. Like people that don't know that I know you and people that don't know that we know each other, they tell me when I'm working with these leaders how much they appreciate the things that you do. So I want to finish with this. I think this is a great way to finish this episode, especially as we're kicking off a new year. I think this is a really, really important thing. I have found that elite leaders, elite leadership teams have two things in abundance. One of them is trust. They have these, these, these areas where people trust their leaders. They trust their ethics. They trust their competency. Uh, and maybe most important, they trust the personal connection that they have their interests in mind. I have seen that at least with a lot of the people I've seen at Sodexo, you've done that. Okay. So first of all, tip of the cap to you. Second of all, any advice on how you, you create trust? Because I can tell you this, it sure isn't saying, Hey, you can trust me. As soon as you hear someone say you can trust me, you run like hell. You get away from that person, right? So how do you create that kind of trust? Because you would have never said on the show that people trust you because you're not that guy. So I'm going to say it because I've seen it. And I think it's a massive, massive thing that every sales leader has to have in spades if they're going to be successful. Do you have any thoughts about how that's created? Yeah, around trust. Well, thank you. First off, thank you for, I mean, again, for the compliments and I hope it's, I hope some people feel that way. I, you know, um, I don't do everything right. That's for sure. But they're good people. They we have really good people and um, it's a pleasure to work with them. So, so, I mean, in terms of trust, I, I haven't always gotten this one right. I've had to learn so many hard ways about this. Um, part, part of it is I do like to move fast and okay. I'm a guy who likes to come in and change and I like to move fast. And I've, I've realized that the value of slowing down I've realized the value of looking in the camera. I've realized the value of putting down the phone. Those are all lessons, hard lessons I had to learn, but those are just simple things. The way you perceive, the way you come across, the way you present yourself on the camera these days with your people is the foundation of building trust. They've got a sense that you're really there, that you really care. I, uh, the second thing is I've, I've been trying really hard <laughs> probably over the last five years to just, to just be upfront rather than wait. And I'll give a per, I mean, here's a perfect example. We live every single day, every single day. We have uh, what on average, 10 meetings, I don't know, eight, 10, 12 meetings. Yeah, that sounds right. Okay. There's no way you're going to be on time for all of them. So if you're late to every one of them, what have you just done to the people's confidence that you're in the meetings with? Right. Yeah, can't count. And, you're on. Late and you say nothing, you just show up late. 
you've created an opinion about yourself that you probably didn't want. But let's just say, inevitably, you're going to be late for a third of them. But five minutes before, you have the heads up. And then this is tough, I know, because sometimes you're in the zone and you're like, and we don't all have assistance, right? So, I mean, and, and sometimes can't get a hold of them fast enough, but you need to let people know. And, and, I, and so, so it's tough, I get it. But, then, but the reverse is you, you take those five minutes in advance, you know you're going to be late. And you say, hey, I'm going to be late. Thanks for your patience or you know, apologies or I need five more minutes or something. You do that up front and you win hearts and minds. It's that simple. If we can just be, if we can be open up front, not after, after it's everything too late. Yeah. It's just too late on, on everything in life. So we'd be up front before the event occurs. And it could be to a meeting. It could be to a presentation. It could be, you know, an expectation. I mean, here's the thing. I, I, I'll give you one more example. When I present people, inevitably, any conference, they want your slides two weeks in advance. Well, guess what? I, I love to change slides up into the last moment. because Me think- too. I piss people <laughs> off every time I speak because of this. Yes. Right. So guess what guys like you and I do now? I tell, if I get asked to speak, I literally start by saying, thank you. I'd love to. Just so we're on the same page. I'll give you one deck two weeks out. I'll give you another deck a week out. And I'm going to give you a deck probably three hours before. And we're going to have to be okay with that because I like to bring in relevant events. And sometimes the relevant event happened that morning. <laughs> and, um, and you, but it's again, up front. So I've learned the hard way to do that. And I teach my teams that one simple act starts to change our trust. Um, we could go into a lot more about trust. No, that's good. I, I, I like that. And I think, I think we need to be mindful that every interaction is either going to build trust or break it. It's not net neutral ever. And, um, you know, I, I, we should think that way. How, how do I make this have people know that they can count on me, that I'm, you know, the three that I talked about already. I just think that's a big deal. And I don't think it's ever been more important to have trust in your leader than it is right now as a result of what we went through last year. Yep. Yep. No, exactly. And and that's why I love your, you know, this all kind of turned out a different angle than we maybe thought when we set the show up. (laughs) But I love how you talk about empathy that leads into different kinds of culture and authenticity and, and then, you know, this coaching thing and ultimately how it makes you someone that people can trust. Because at the end of the day, Ryan, when people take a job at Sodexo or whatever company our listeners have, they are betting cycles of their professional career in part on you as a leader that you can help them. Yep. And, uh, and I think that we, we owe it to them to look through that lens. Can I help them achieve everything they wanted to achieve at least as fast as they wanted to, if not faster. So. Yeah. Speaking of that, I'm, I'm going to text, uh, let, let's finish here. Yep. I'm gonna, Sorry, I'm, man. I'm going to text to someone I'm actually coaching right now one of our leaders and tell her five more minutes. <laughs> I know we're, I know we went long. I apologize. So let's finish quick. Um, same way we do everyone. Three questions, fast answers, and then we'll ha- teach them. How, we'll tell everybody how to get a hold of you. You ready? Yep. Biggest sales leadership challenge you face and how do you beat it? I think the biggest leadership challenge right now. Yeah. Right now. Is field sales, inside sales. I'd really do. And, and there's a lot to this, but everyone's trying to figure out how to be a vir- we'll call it virtual sales. To me, it's inside sales. And then right. there's going to be a post pandemic number. And I believe it's 30%, 30% of what we used to have in the field is just going to go, go to inside. Now it won't happen on day one, but it's, it's transitioning over time. And it's not because the sales teams are saying it. it's because the customer is now saying, well, Hey, can't we just do that zoom call we used to do? 
right? I don't need you in office this way. I can't get everyone here. So they're, they're asking for it and they're going to ask for it. And I believe the number's 30%. We need to be ready to transition our teams. 30% of our people, the more of an inside sales base. All right. Thank you. Number two, you've built a lot of teams. When you're building a team, is there a go-to interview question or interview topic when you're looking for teammates? Mm-hmm. And what are you looking for when you leverage that topic or question? Yeah. So I'm a big person on EQ. If you couldn't tell by now. Yeah. And, uh, and I believe it's what makes leaders and leaders make numbers. Um, okay. So best question I ask is what's the hardest thing you've gone through professionally? So many, so many, so many Great. revelations come out in that question. What's the hardest thing you've had to go through professionally? Now, sometimes people tell me they intermix life, which is great. I say, whatever you want, you can tell me, but I learned how did they style it. I learned how did they handle it. I learned how did they go through it. I learned what was the outcome. I learned their, their, their ability to stick to it. Events. I would learn if they're a victim. And I believe me, I have people answer straight up and be like, oh, let me tell you about this person. Oh, she was terrible. And it's like, okay, victim, not, not, not part of this team. Okay, last one, man. Leaders are readers. We found that the greatest leaders never stop their journey of learning. Is there a book that you might recommend that uh, people that are listening might get their hands on and process and apply in order to accelerate their leadership journey? Gosh, so, so many books. Um, okay. So I'll, I'll say my top one and then two follow-ups. If I may. Okay. <laughs> top is five dysfunctions of a team. So What's good. so great about that is you can read it and then so you can good. literally take your people off site and do exactly what Pam does in that scenario. Okay. So, so it's just so applicable. And if, if people don't understand base layer of trust, you know, avoidance of conflict. If, if we can't get through those first three tranches, we don't have a team and teams, t- teams are teams create greatness. Right. So that's yep. what we need good teams. But um, I also love uh, radical candor by Kim Scott, big time. Great big one. I love that one. Just being able that, to be able to coach directly, tell people directly. Um, and I love hooked. It's a book about just. The yeah. So author is um, near aisle. Okay near aisle so uh e-y-a-l last name but it's just you'll be blown away by how people are hooked into buying things all right man i've taken more of your time than uh, we expected and and i I just want to thank you on behalf of our listeners if people want to want to connect and they want to ask you questions or keep the conversation going how do they get more of you how do they connect with you how do they pick up the conversation yeah no thank you so so uh linkedin's the best just send me a note on LinkedIn. I, I try my best to reply, um, but ping me again if I don't. But but also ryan.bot at sedexo.com. Uh, All right. Ryan has made a living out of turning victims into victors. Victors. Uh, and, uh, and he's doing it on a huge stage right now with a lot of people. I, I would encourage you to go back and listen and take advantage of this blueprint that he gives you. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us. We're recording right now at the end of December. Happy holidays to you. And as I say to everyone, my friend, happy selling. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. Happy selling to you. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, the Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you like this show, you will love my Patreon community, Sales Leadership United. I ask you to check it out. I share some of my best content, and I have a private podcast for members only. 
In addition, the Jepson Performance Group provides coaching to sales leaders around the world and helps them make how they lead their most defensible competitive advantage. Listen, the newest perk right now is executive coaching. And I'm finding that companies invest heavily in their sales team, but then they leave their sales leaders to figure it out on their own. You don't have to reinvent the wheel and you don't have to play guessing games. If you want a resource, if you don't want to have to figure it out on your own, and if you want to try and accelerate your growth, hit me up. My group helps sales leaders that are new, experienced, in startups, mature companies, growing fast, growing slow, and in a ton of different industries. We're here, we can help you go fast, and we can have this be one of those investments in yourself that you look back on as a game changer. Now, I've watched Ryan work for a long time. We've been friends for several years. Uh, I've seen how he makes huge impact in the companies he's led. And I think one of the reasons he's so authentic is in how he cares about the people he leads. I hope that that came across strong to you in the conversation. I've been able to see the impact as I've watched him closely work with some of these organizations. And, and I've had the chance to see Ryan in a lot of situations, you know, professional ones, personal ones, you know, at events, in his own meetings. It's, it's, it's been interesting to watch him. And the consistency that I found is he's very genuine in his interest and concern for other people in general. So I was glad to see him turn this conversation into authenticity. Because this concept and this topic is something that is a massive difference maker. It's been more important now than it's ever been. And it starts with what your role perception is. And too many of us think the role of a sales leader is to just hit a number. I hope that that really got your attention when Ryan talked about that. You know, his goal is to create new leaders. And it, it isn't just about, you know, can I motivate you to get a few more deals done? It isn't just, can I get a little more revenue out of you? I, 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 I think that's really important that his goal is not to just suck as much revenue out of someone as you possibly can. It's to build them up. It's to help them create new capabilities, to be better, to be more capable because they worked with you. Now, if the people you lead really believe that's your motive, my experience has been that it's amazing how quickly they will change and they will grow. And right now, this is more, more important than it has ever been. Right now, this creates competitive advantages that are more obvious than they've ever been. This is going to help you do important things like recruit, retain, and drive growth faster than you ever thought possible. This is going to turn you into a magnet that attracts the very best team members and the very best efforts and the very best insights. So my advice is to follow Ryan's blueprint. Go back and break it down into kind of an outline. You're going to see that he talks about empathy, you know, caring about the individual, not just their performance. Then he talks about being present and being transparent. I mean, great conversation on transparency, you know. He gets to a couple of other things and then he gets to a really great conversation around coaching and, and that coaching is different than just going over the numbers um, and, and that coaching is about improvement, not just production. And so my suggestion is find ways to move past the numbers and I'm not diminishing the numbers and saying they're unimportant. They're very important, but it's more important to connect to the individual. One of my most important laws of sales leadership is to connect before you correct because if you don't correct, you're going to have real challenges as a sales leader. Remember, the great sales leaders have an abundance of both trust and results. And you can't have one and not the other. 
Uh, if you have trust but no results, you know, you're going to get fired. And if you have results but no trust, you're going to have people quit on you. You've got to have an abundance of both. And so start this week by reevaluating your connection with each member of your team. It's a perfect time of the year to do it. Have you created, you know, I get you moments where every team member really knows that you have their interests in mind. If the people you lead believe in the connection, trust that you've established, you're going to find that your ability to help throw gas on the fire that fuels their growth changes almost overnight. So Ryan, my man, thanks for joining me. I appreciate him joining us. I appreciate him sharing these important insights that have helped him create massive impact in companies he's helped lead. I have seen firsthand his focus on people first leads to outstanding results. I, I congratulate you on your success, Ryan. I encourage all of our listeners to connect with him. Reach out to him. Ryan's one of those guys that's always willing to help and share, and I'm so grateful that he took the time to speak with each of us today. Most of all, thanks to each of you, our listeners. We don't have a show if we don't have you. The show continues to grow. I can't thank you enough for the support and the shares. If you like today's show, please, please, please head to iTunes and give us a five-star review as this is the best way for the show to grow and for me to continue to get access to the best sales leaders in the world. So here's to creating connection. Stay in the people business. Make sure your actions demonstrate you have their interests in mind and your focus is on their growth and their success. They are not simply a means to your end. Move past the numbers, double down on transparency and authenticity. Do this and you're going to find that people will not only choose to make changes, they're going to thank you for it. So I wish you all a fantastic week. I hope it's the best one yet. I hope you're having the greatest start to a year that you've ever had. And as always, don't worry. Just execute, because we got you. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.